in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, we are continuing after a little pause that we did last couple of weeks, um, Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday. But now we are coming back to the Gospel of John in chapter, chapter 6. And here, then, the Word of God. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Verse 3, Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now, the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are, where are we to buy bread, so that these people may eat? He said, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Verse 7, Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five bar barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. When Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, Gather up the leftovers, fragments, that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled, them, filled twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left from, by those who had eaten. In verse 14, when the people saw the sign that, that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Verse 16. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, 
do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today to study your word and learn from this passage from the Gospel of John. Please open our hearts and minds to your teaching and help us to apply them to our daily lives. We pray for your guidance and wisdom as we explore this passage together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning we will study John chapter 6 verses 1 to 21 and we are going to dwell in two of the miracles that Jesus did in this, in this chapter. But this passage is a significant passage in the Gospel of John that unveils the true identity of Jesus Christ. This passage, passage sheds light on the vital question of who Jesus is, whether he is a mere teacher, a prophet, or the Son of God. So, let's start with the first of the miracles that we have in this passage, the feeding of the 5,000. And there we start with a big problem at the beginning. The situation began when Jesus summoned his 12 disciples to rest and recover from the work of the last couple of days. Jesus may have taken them to a secret place to evade King, Herod, King Herod's attention, who had recently executed John the Baptist. However, however, the masses flocked to Jesus as they had witnessed the miracles he had performed. And that's what we read in verses 1 and 2. They came to Jesus because they saw the miracles and they wanted to see more miracles, right? Now, Jesus took advantage of this situation to demonstrate first to the crowd that he was able to fulfill the greatest and the smallest of man's needs. The greatest need is to have the correct view of who Jesus is. And the smallest need is the physical need, hunger. And this is why when they were together with this multitude, he asked his disciples in verse 5, where are we to buy bread so that these people, these people may eat? So this is the first group that Jesus is having here. But the second group that Jesus is trying to attend while feeding these 5,000 are his disciples. Jesus also wanted to strengthen their faith as he used the occasion to test and build, build their faith. And that's why Jesus asked them where to buy bread so that the people could eat. But notice what verse 6 says. Verse 6 says, he said this to test. For he 
himself knew what he would do. So he was bringing people together, two groups, and he had a plan. Like us, the disciples had needs, and their greatest need, like ours, was to grow in faith in Jesus. And I am amazed, I am amazed by these miracles, because they demonstrate Jesus' complete control over the situation. In both instances, when Jesus fed the multitude and when he walked on water, he exhibited his divinity and foreknowledged wisdom. That's why we read in verse 1, After this, Jesus went away to the other sea of Galilee. Jesus knew what he was doing. He was taking them on purpose to a remote area. And then in verse 3, Jesus says, Jesus went up on the mountain, uh, and there he sat down with his disciples. If going away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, where there was nothing of civilization, in the other side there was nothing of civilization, if that was not enough, going up on a mountain was as he was taking them to the moon, where there is nothing. It's not only to the other side. Then he moved to a mountain. Jesus had a purpose and a plan in mind. And that's what we, say, we just read in verse 6. For he himself knew what he would do. Similarly, when Jesus walked on water, he waited until it was dark and the sea became rough before making his appearance. His timing shows his impeccable sense of when to act. And that's what we read, we read in verse 19. It says, when they had rowed about three or four miles... They saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near to the boat, and they were frightened. Both situations. Jesus was in control. Jesus used both of these miracles to teach important lessons about his identity and the impact is it has in our lives. These two miracles reveal the extent of Jesus' power and authority over all things. So let's start now seeing how the disciples responded to the miracle of the feeding, uh, to the miracle of feeding the 5,000. And you see this in the response that the disciples gave to Jesus. Notice how Philip answered Jesus in verse 5 and verse 7. Lifting, lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, 
Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And so Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. These can be called called pessimistic faith. When faced with the problem of feeding the crowd, Philip could only see the available resources and the hopelessness of the situation. Philip said it would cost more than eight months wages for a laborer in Israel to feed the crowd. That was the 200 denarii. Eight months working every day. Philip couldn't see past the logistical difficulties and didn't have faith in Jesus' power to provide for the crowd. So therefore, Philip had a pessimistic faith. And there are many characteristics of a pessimistic faith, but I want to mention to you three of these characteristics. Number one, pessimistic faith forgets the power God has shown in the past. Notice that Philip was with Jesus when he transformed the water into wine. So it was not the first time that Philip saw Jesus providing and multiplying and doing an extraordinary miracle. But he forgot. He was also with Jesus when Jesus healed the official's son. You remember that miracle? He was there. And he was there when Jesus healed the invalid man at the pool of Bethesda. But when the crisis came, Philip forgot the power of God in the past. Number two, a pessimistic faith looks to others for help instead of looking to Jesus. And that's an another verse that we find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 to 7. And that says, do not be anxious about anything. That is a strong word, anything. Don't you think? And I know in my mind is coming the pessimistic faith right now. Anything. But in everything... By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, which surpasses the pessimistic faith, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Psalm 127 verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in, in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. 
Number three, a pessimistic faith does not realize that God cares, loves, and is interested in every small detail in a person's life. Matthew 6, 26, Jesus told his disciples, look at the birds of the air. You remember that passage? Look at the flowers and look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Really, to be honest with you, I'm reading this passage and I'm, I'm having a pessimistic faith. This is too much. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. So Jesus' conclusion is just one. Are you not of more value than they? But there is another answer. Let's, let's move on. Another disciple came into the picture. Then in verses 8 and 9 says, and 9 says, verse 8, chapter 6, verse 8. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five burly loaves and two fish. But what are they for so many? Andrew told Jesus that there was a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. If Andrew, if Andrew had stopped, stopped there, it would have been considered an expression of faith. There are, Jesus, five, five, we have five barley, barley loaves. And two fish. Just there. Stop there. However, his faith was not greater than Philip's. As he also questioned how the small amount of food could feed the large crowd. This can be called a questioning faith. A question in faith arises when we examine, examine, I'm sorry, when we examine our circumstances and the limited resources available to us, leading us to doubt Jesus' ability to provide for our needs. The first thing that comes to our minds every time that we want to do something is ching ching. The cash machine. No, I'm not saying that we need to be um, foolish, not to put into consideration that into the equation. It never, it never need to be the first thing as believers. 
So here, the disciples learn a valuable lesson from their experiences. They learn to trust in Jesus' power and sufficiency and recognize that he was in control. Even when we find ourselves in uncomfortable situations, we can rest assured that Jesus loves us, cares for us, and in his wisdom, guide us through challenges we may face in our lives. So this is how the disciples responded to Jesus. But notice how Jesus responded to this situation. Verse, verse 10 to 13, chapter 6, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given things, he distributed them to those who were never seated. Who were seated, I'm sorry. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. The miracle, this miracle is recorded in all four Gospels. And is considered by many the best of the miracles Jesus did. Bishop Riley has noted this. In healing the sick and in raising the dead, something was amended or restored which already existed. But here was an absolute creation. I mean, how you explain that from this fish and this bread, he fed 5,000 people. Out of nothing, it almost points to Genesis when out of nothing, the earth was void and in darkness. And God said, there, let there be light. Out of nothing. In this passage, we see a beautiful portrait of the supremacy, divinity, and power of Jesus. There were 5,000 men, possibly 12,000 people in total. If we count women and children... Jesus fed, feeds an estimated 12,000 individuals from a boy's lunchbox, demonstrating his divine nature and attributes. This miracle is a testament of Jesus' power over nature and creation, including atoms, molecules, and all forces of nature. His incomprehensible majesty is highlighted by his ability to defy gravity, disease, and death, making every particle 
of the universe, universe subject to his will. And this is the Jesus that we preach. Nothing can resist or stand against him as everything is subject to Jesus. This miracle distinguishes the person of Jesus from other concept, concepts like an impersonal rationality or an inner light or some fictional star worsening force. This miracle declares that Jesus is Lord. This miracle declares that Jesus is God. And if out of the message you can take this with you home, please do it. If you don't remember anything else, remember that Jesus was proving that he was God himself. So now that we have seen the disciples' response, let us close this part of this miracle with the crowd's reaction to the miracle of the multiplication of the barley, loaves, and the two fish. They believed Jesus was a prophet like Moses. That's what they said, who had been foretold. And some even attempted to crown him as king. However, Jesus refused this offer and left the scene. John mentioned that this incident occurred near Passover, if you read verse 4. An important festival that reminded the deliverance from Egypt, but as well, this celebration for the Jewish symbolized the hope of Israel's salvation from Roman oppression. At this time, the people were looking for a political candidate who would provide for their needs and deliver them from tyranny. Tyranny, thank you. Jesus understood that the people were looking for a king of man, not the king of the kingdom of God he had come to establish. He knew that his mission was to provide much more than just for physical needs. Spiritual significance of this event will come clear next Sunday when we are going to, to, to see in the following verses that Jesus, Jesus was trying to use this as an illustration of something more important. But for now, suffice to say that Jesus wanted to use this miracle to teach them about the providence of God who provide for us through Christ the bread of heaven and our king who gives us all that we need and more. But the people didn't understand this. Let's move quickly to the second miracle. 
Jesus walks on water. In the upcoming verses, verses 16 to 21, we will see that the crowd on the shore is observing and analyzing the passengers boarding the boat, especially Jesus' disciples. The crowd is hoping to make Jesus their king and satisfy their own selfish desires. However, Jesus sends his disciples ahead and retreats to the mountain, waiting for darkness to fall. Meanwhile, the disciples struggle to navigate the dangerous conditions of as the storm intensifies on the sea. And Jesus is nowhere to appear. At that moment, it's clear that the people on shore have an easier life than the disciples. Don't you think? They are not exposed to the dangers of being at sea amid a storm. While the crowd is comfortably resting in their beds. While they are having a nap after the big, massive supper that they had. The disciples are struggling in the boat to survive. Jesus' miraculous act of walking on water it's not just a demonstration of his power, but also a means to comfort and provide comfort to his tired and frightened disciples. Notice what he said when he appeared to the disciples walking on the sea. It is I. Do not be afraid. If you don't know what he is saying is, is he is using the same phrase that God used when appeared to Moses in Mount Sinai. I am who I am. I am God. That's my name. And Jesus was telling the same to his disciples. It is I. I am. Do not be afraid. So the disciples were filled with joy and they promptly reached their destination. We can dwell in just that paragraph and write a sermon completely in how you reach a destination when the I am is with you. That's for another occasion. John Calvin points out that Jesus used the exact words, it is I am, it is I, or I am, when he identified himself to the crowd who came to arrest him, arrest him in John chapter 18. You remember that passage? They came to arrest him, and Jesus told them, I am you. I am the one you are looking. And something happened. He fell to the ground. 
unlikely the disciples who rejoiced when Jesus identified himself during the storm, the crowd who came to arrest him fell to the ground in terror when he used his voice to say, I am. This is a more intimate, private encounter with Jesus where he comes to them in the darkness of night, greets them, provides for them, and cares for their needs, not apart from the storm, but in the midst and through the storm. The grass always seemed greener on the other side, don't you think? But the truth is, if the other side where the people were comfortably enjoying the thunders and the wind on the sea, what a beautiful sea we have here. If the other side is missing out on the comforting presence of Jesus in the midst of life storms, I'd rather stay on my side. I'd rather have the great I am calming the raging seas of my soul. I'd rather experience the joy of the Holy Spirit when it seems there is not much to be joyful about. We, we read in Psalm 73, the arrogant. That you look at them and they always, they are always prospering. And you see how many times in the Psalms they are, the Psalmists are saying, How long, O oh Lord, I will be in this storm? The arrogant may seem to prosper for a while, but their success is fleeting. In our lives, we have two choices. Either we can be happy with modest blessings and a strong relationship with Jesus or seek worldly pleasures even if it means going against Jesus but there are the two ways you can see the grass greener in the other side you can be in the middle of the storm knowing that the great I am is with us. Jesus' followers are so glad to go wherever he takes them because they understand Jesus' identity. Jesus is God. That is his true nature. Yes, he is fully human, but he is fully divine. And if we understand that mystery, my dear brothers and sisters, we are going to have the great I am in our sight, even in the middle of the storm.
that we are living right now. Let's pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the message that we have heard today. May we always remember that you are in control of every situation and that you have the power to fulfill both our greatest and smallest needs. Help us to have faith in you even when we face difficult circumstances and to trust in you and your care and love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand up and...